Hey guys, and welcome back for a special episode of Sinner Justice. We kind of broke our schedule a little bit to do this episode. It's a Brucey bonus. Yeah, we're bringing you a hot take on Martin Scorsese's newest Netflix release, The Irishman. Oh God! <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, like I said, we're kind of breaking our schedule usually. As, as you probably noticed with the uh, lack of Jingle Bells, we're not doing this as counting part of the Christmas season. Uh, we just we're figured... pandering to what we feel like the, the people want. Yeah. Because um, obviously Martin Scorsese, he's a bit of a bit of a, I wouldn't say a, a controversial figure, but he's definitely been, make, been making headlines, not necessarily for his movies the past couple of months. Yeah, if you're a teenager who's passionate about these superheroes, these these Marvels and the 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 DEs, all of them folks, not naming names. Yeah, you're definitely gonna hate the man probably, but he speaks a lot of sense. Yeah, I don't hate him. No, no, it wasn't him that you. It was. It was not. No. Okay, of course it wasn't. Course uh, yeah, just wasn't. just for clarification for anybody who's not been keeping up to date, uh, he Martin Scorsese. This is not long after uh, Joker came out. Mm. He made a comment saying that Marvel is not. It's not cinema. It's not what he. It's not what he would uh, define as cinema. Well, maybe some people say your work's not cinema, Scorsese. So pipe down, you pagan. Anyway, moving on. I mean, Colin has always said it's. Um, Superhero films are always follow the same three act structure and they're very predictable and it's always the same. Mm-hmm. There's okay. only there's it, it, only like a, a difference as to like you know how a guy's going to get kicked mm. in the face or how it's going to be shot. That's going to be the exciting. They always um, if it's the first one, such as the first uh, Spider-Man, for example, and probably the first of the rest of them because I've only seen Spider-Man. It starts out um, you get to know the the superhero, then after about twenty minutes you'll get to know the bad guy, but you won't realize it's the bad guy for another like twenty minutes. Mm. Then a bad thing will happen, and Spider-Man or whoever it is will just watch it and be like, oh, oh, that's, uh. and then after that, it'll be revealed that the man you met just after Spider-Man is the bad guy, mm. and then you're like, oh. and then they'll have the first interaction, or if it's the first film, they'll uh, you'll have the sequence of how they get the powers, or like using the powers, uh, mastering the powers, and then there'll be a big fight, and Spider-Man will get him. It's not cinema. It's, it's not it's cinema. It's real good to know that. I mean, you've, you said you've only seen Spider-Man. Not very many superhero films follow that, but you know what? We'll let you um, have your moment. No, I've seen other ones. I've seen other ones. Okay. Um, Spider-Man 2. Spider-Man, Spider-Man 2, 2 Spider-Man, Spider-Man 3, The Amazing Spider-Man, Spider-Man Homecoming, The Amazing Spider-Man 2. Uh, that would I Callum has a rock on for Spidey Boy. I don't, Spider-Man. actually, but if I have to in- get myself into that world, I'll take Spider-Man. Yeah. Okay. I've seen Iron Man. That was mm. a crock of shit. Of course it was. Um, so, yeah, I mean, because, uh, like I said, he's been... Uh, a lot of the uh, the hardcore Marvel fanboys have uh, rushed to defend uh, the Marvel films and slate Scorsese. Mm. They're like, "Who the fuck is this guy?" Well, for for you like fucking freaks, it's Scorsese is Martin fucking Scorsese. Exactly, he can say what the fuck he wants. He's a master. He's he's probably the biggest director in the world. Yeah, I but mean, does that does that give him the right to slag what other people enjoy? Not one, really. One thousand percent. Well, the thing it does. is, I don't, thing I is, don't think so. Thing is, it's not it's not a matter of him slanting it. It's the fact that he's got such a profile, and the, with with a filmmaker of that kind of profile, slate in this entire genre of film that's making so much money, that kind of piques a lot of people's interest. Yeah, but it still doesn't give him the full right to slag off something that people enjoy. He can say whatever he wants. Yeah, he can say what he wants, but. It just doesn't give him the. Oh, it doesn't make sense. For, oh fuck! I don't care. It's I, just I, I, an opinion. He can say what he wants. Yeah, you're uh, allowed. It's, it's a it's different. Sorry, it's not like a legal thing. That I'm trying to. That. I'm trying to defend it. I'm just coming down to the fact that I don't care. The difference. Let's move on. The difference with Martin Scorsese, whoever the director is, he's like a published academic as well. Mm. So he really, really knows his shit inside and out in every facet. I mean, possible. this guy. This guy. He's, he doesn't just make films. Like he 
really watches mm. films. Like he was the one who put like have you ever got, have you ever have you any of you guys ever heard of uh, Peep and Tom, the movie? Peeping Tom? Yeah. No? Well, it's a, it's a classic movie about a serial killer who, like, is a photographer, but, like, you know, kills all of his, uh, like, his, his uh, photo subjects. Mm. It's, like, it was, it went very obscure when it was released. Like, not, no, nobody really saw it. Then Martin Scorsese, he released a, uh, I'm, I'm probably paraphrasing it, but he, he sent out a list. He published a list of, like, top 50 movies you have to see before you die. Peep and Tom was on that list, and from then on, it's just been renowned as, like, a classic. Mm. So Scorsese, and this, bear in mind, this is like, you know, this wasn't when he was as big as, this is when he was very well known, but this is like back in the 80s or something like that. And he managed to put this movie, this very obscure movie, into a pop culture sensation, basically. Mm. Like, everybody knows, like, like, the phrase Peeping Tom is used, like, is a universal phrase, but not a lot of people know that that it's from a movie. Yeah. So. Very interesting, actually, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Well done. Mm. There you go. Um, so yeah, Scorsese. Uh, like obviously, with him saying this kind of stuff, you know, putting him in the spotlight a bit, a bit and he's saying that these mo- these specific sp- specific movies are not what he would deem as cinema. He's now like just this close to a release of his new film that he's been working on for a couple of years and releasing on Netflix of all things. You better come out swinging when you yeah. say words like that. Mm. So this is where we get into our overall opinions of the Irishman because we watched this last night the, the the full three and a half hours in case you were wondering we didn't we didn't break it up in in, in four parts and watch it over four days no we broke it up we broke it up in half a little bit yeah we give we give ourselves like a 20 minute break but yeah other than that we watched the whole thing one night um so what do you guys think uh who wants to start I'll let I, you. I don't mind starting Me? it's your fucking idea to put us through this so oh can you see Brad's a marvel boy mm-hmm. um the first hour mm-hmm. of the three and a half total, I thought was fantastic. Mm. At that point for me, it was a 10 out of 10. Great storytelling, great acting, everything was good. Setting up a real story, I thought. Yeah. Setting up a story for an hour. <laughs> uh, and then it, we get into the part of, um, we introduce Al Pacino's character and we get into like... Jimmy Hoffa. Yeah, we get into like a court case and it gets it suddenly turns all political and that it stays that way for about an hour and a half. Mm-hmm. And in obviously a short film, a normal uh, timed one, this sequence would probably be about forty minutes at the most. At most, yeah. But it lasts an hour and a half in this film. Um, it it felt like the pace really picked up when he got introduced, and there was more characters being thrown out, and you couldn't really keep up, and they were all just getting referred to by names, and you couldn't remember who was who and mm-hmm. the names of everyone. It was really confusing. I mean, every t- there were a couple of times where every time a character was introduced, they'd say how they died. Yeah. Uh, like on the screen, roll yeah. over the top of them. Um, oh yeah, obviously, as as we always say, spoilers. So there's <laughs> that. Um, so three and a half hours was just far too long. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of films like this. Like I think The Wolf of Wall Street was about two and a half. Yeah, I mean Scorsese is like he he's got a habit of just making the, letting the film go as long as it needs yeah. to. Like he 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 understands like you know character moments and stuff yeah. like that where you know sometimes you can't just rush to a thing where you can where you can like just let a character think. Um, but in essence, he still wants to tell the full story, so it ends up being so long. Yeah, um, he's he seems like a man. Obviously, at this point, who no one really says no to him. No, and with three and a half hours, it could have easily had an hour, maybe even an hour and a half chopped off it. 
mature. Because there was a lot of stuff that we were sitting through, like, I feel like we could go from this point to this point without this 40 minutes in between and we'd still be in the same place we are now. Yeah, that, I, I was getting the uh, impression that there was, like, a an illusion of plot progression in yeah. this movie, but in the grand scheme of things... It's a very, it's actually a pretty simple story, and not a whole lot happens in it. Yeah, it's, yeah, nothing happens really. There's no story to it. Obviously, there's the story of this man's life, but I don't necessarily think it's interesting enough. I think it's, I think it's interesting if you're more into that kind of world. If if you're into that more the the historical mm. accu- accuracy and stuff like that with uh, Jimmy Hoffa. Like, I mean, every yeah. a lot of people know who Jimmy Hoffa is. Uh, like, you know, he famously went missing uh, before he was going to have a meeting with this mob boss, and nobody knows where he went. This movie does give like an an interpretation as to how it could have gone because I think um, Robert De Niro's character is named Frank. Something I forget, but um, appa- yeah, apparently right before he died, he confessed to murdering Jimmy Hoffer. But to be honest with you, there's like I, I read up on it a little bit before we did this review, and it's still pretty circumstantial. Like yeah. he says that he did it, and he's he's dead now, and he died saying that he did that he did this, but. There's not a lot of a lot of the evidence that's presented in this movie don't really match up with what is known. It's still officially unsolved. It's still un- officially unsolved. Like they say, the house that um, the, in the movie they say that uh, De Niro, like that the Irishman killed Jimmy Hoffa. Like they found blood in that house, but it was inconclusive to match Jimmy Hoffa. Mm. So like this is given a this is given an interpretation for sure. But um, I always think it's really bold when directors do that, especially high profile directors. Mm-hmm. Such as, um, you know, Tarantino done it in Inglorious Bastards. Yeah. And Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, but I won't spoil that. But granted, in Tarantino's, like, it's very clear that that's fiction, whereas mm. this is given, like, it's given an interpretation of, of reality. I, I feel like it's quite dangerous, especially the subject matter of, like, the mob and mafia yeah. and things like that. I mean, keeping in mind, like, you know, uh, Scorsese, like, he's, he's he was well known for, you know, putting, like, real life depictions of the mob on cinema yeah. like i mean i remember there were have, there had to be like all sorts of um like legal proceedings when making this when making goodfellas for mm. example he had uh, he had like actual mafia members like, on set on during set, goodfellas yeah. it's it's insane and like i think it's fair to say that this movie is and probably should be compared a lot to goodfellas mm. um unfairly though yeah it's not not even in the same league not really Th- there's just there's a real lack of story, and people have said it's amazing. It's a great achievement. For sure. Um, there's a lot of stuff going on. Every shot's really, really nice. But like tech, From a technical standpoint, it's really good. Acting, very good. But the, the flow, the pace, and the, everything that's included in it, you know, as a, as just purely as a spectator, it's, just, it's too much, and it's not needed. Yeah. It's just a very, it's very overbearing. And there's a lot of elements that, I'll be honest with you, just didn't make a whole lot of sense to me by the end of it. Yeah. Um, Brad, do you want to... Chime in. It's just way too long, isn't it? Like, yeah. yeah, you've mentioned it. There's a like the bit when he's traveling on the plane, and that you, you didn't need shit like that. You could have. Yeah. There's, a, there's a lot of this film which could have been easily cut out, and I, d- I don't understand why it wasn't. Like, like, oh, sorry. I'll, this right. is this is to further your point. Then you jump back in. Um, what we get taught mm. as film students is like, not necessarily show don't tell, but. You don't need to show the actor um, walking out of his house, walking all the way to like his friend's house, for mm-hmm. example. And then in this, what Martin Scorsese done, we got a full sequence, lasted about 15 minutes. Joe Pesci drops him off at the airport. 
gets out of the car, walks into the plane, sits in the plane, we're with him throughout like the, the checks on the plane, the takeoff, a little bit while he's in the air, then he lands again, we're with him getting off the plane, getting in a car, driving himself to someone's house, and we see it from all different angles, we see it from above like a pylon, we see it from below, we see it in the car, in front of the car, around the car, then he goes and picks up two other people, mm-hmm. and all of that could have been done with, Joe Pesci drops him off at the airport, cut to Robert De Niro in a car with these people, that would have got rid of that middle 15 minutes, that was not necessary, and that's just one example of quite a few that we didn't need. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, I think they did try to, I, I think they were trying to make that that sequence a bit more intense than it actually mm. was, because, because, yeah. I mean, getting into the whole performance side of things, I mean, I, I'll be honest with you, on a whole, I did before, I, I did like enjoy the performances, but I just felt like, Especially with De Niro, there didn't seem a whole lot of urgency yeah. to him. Like he was, like, he you see like long takes of him just driving a car, and he's been told that his friend, like his supporter, one of his biggest supporters, is going to be killed, and and he has to do it, and he has to do it, and he's like you know he's he's driving in this car, and he's just you just seen loads of long shots of just directly in his face, um, and. This kind of really gets into the whole uh, talk about the de-aging technology that's used in this movie. Mm. Now, this is now this is something that kind of it kind of uh, hijacked the entire conversation about this movie because I'll be honest with you. Aside from the fact that De Niro's character was Irish and that they were using de-aging facial uh, technology for to show him at his younger years, I didn't really know anything about this movie. Yeah. Um, so talking about the whole face de-aging technology. I think I think that's worth having a conversation about. You made, you made a point when we went out. I can't remember what you said, but you were like, it was really hard to tell which stage Robert De Niro was at. Yeah, so I think he got de-aged uh, like three or four times, like different, so there was At different very phases. Young, yeah, yeah. Very, yeah. very young in the army when he, was, he went back to about 25. Well, that was used for about 15 seconds. And it's probably the best use of it. Yeah. Um, then there was, he was supposed to be about 40, I think, and he had like young kids. Mm-hmm. And then he went to 60 when his kids were all like 20 years old and whatever. Yeah. But the difference between forty and sixty was basically not there at all. No. Yeah, I mean to be honest, with you, I'll, I'll like kind of jumping off your point. There was a point. This was pre, like you know, aged makeup mm. because, like you know, that they, they take him to like when he's around about seventy or eighty. Um, like pre that and pre during that long, you know, car journey between him, Joe Pesci, and their wives, yeah. which I'm pretty sure was shot with no ma- with none of the. With with mostly just being yeah. De Niro and Pesci at their mm. ages, you can that tell by now. the million wrinkles like a treasure map in Joe Pesci's yeah. face. And um, but there's a point. I think it might have been not long after, um, like Joe Pesci gives him the ring and Jimmy Hoffa gives him the watch. There was a there was a long period of this movie where I wasn't entirely sure if they were using de aging effects or not. Mm. Which you know, credit to you. But I think that also kind of h- highlights a lot of the problems with that use in this movie is that it was painfully obvious very early on yeah when you first see it literally Joe Pesci looks plastic yeah like, like what, what did you say about well, <laughs> well when we first saw it I was like I don't know who, like because uh, you see De Niro he's driving his truck and I'm like I don't know who this character is but I'm pretty sure I've played him on the PS1 <laughs> or something like that. he looked like a Grand Theft Auto character or something like that mm-hmm. um, and then then we saw Joe Pesci and I think you initially said, "Oh, that's actually yeah. already way better." And then two two seconds later, you're like, "Oh no, I changed my mind." Yeah, he like took his hat off, and it seemed like the hat was holding on the foundation <laughs> of the de age and stuff. Yeah, but yeah, the, like between forty and sixty, forty he looked like he didn't casino, mm-hmm. and then sixty he looked like he didn't casino. Yeah, <laughs> and the only like the really relied made like drove home the fact that oh look his kids are all old now. This yeah. is how you know it's yeah. progressed. 
Yeah, they when, aged way too fast yeah, though as well. Yeah, was, yeah the kids, like uh, the main daughter that's the focus, I think her name's Peggy. So one minute she's like eight eight years old and then four it, years later and then four years later she's Anna Paquin <laughs> yeah she's like 25 <laughs> <laughs> um, because it specifically tells you um, J- Jimmy Hoffa gets arrested and he goes to jail for four years and when he gets arrested um, Peggy is still a child yeah and when he comes out four years later she's a fully grown woman and shall we get into the relationship between Jimmy Hoffa and oh, Peggy Jesus yeah I think Christ. we'll have to because there was definitely hints of something happening there as a child, as an eight-year-old, yeah. and like a sixty-year-old man. There's a bit of a contrast because I'm pretty sure there's a scene where Joe Pesci. I forget. I forget. I think his name's Russ in the movie. Um, he said, "Like, there's a point when they're at Russell the bowling alley or something like that." And yeah, Russell Buffalino. And he there's a point where they're at a bowling alley, and he says to Frank, "He says, I don't think your daughter likes me." But then you see in the next scene with when she's with Jimmy Hoffa, she like idolizes him. She's yeah. wearing his badge and stuff like that. But then he he does really creepy shit like. Um, there's a big montage of like all all the both families are going to play like mini golf. Yeah. And uh, Jimmy Hoffer will be like um, helping her with a swing, and then they go for ice cream, but he only buys ice cream for himself and Peggy, and it's it's just really odd. Yeah, there was definitely a hint of something like that happened because I mean it kind of reminded me of a scene from Raging Bull, another Joe Pesci mm. De Niro movie, where like De Niro thinks that uh, Joe that his brother Joe Pesci is sleeping with his wife and he like damn near beats him to death yeah. I was really thinking that this movie was going to go in that direction because again that's also a Scorsese film and it wouldn't be too, mu- too much out of his wheelhouse to in- imply something like that I was like as long as they age up the actress that's fine then next thing I know it's Anna Paquin mm-hmm. I was like oh it's definitely going in this direction and it doesn't but this, even then there's like an appreciation like for uh, Frank Sheeran isn't there mm. Robert De Niro's character and obviously his daughter's there and um Robert De- uh, Al Pacino's character's there. Yeah, Jimmy Hoffa. And they dance together. And you can see it in um, Peggy's eyes. She's there's, there's like a weird sort of thing. Yeah. And it, and that is the catalyst for why he falls out with his daughter because like she kind of almost, almost knows exactly that he's the one who killed Jimmy yeah. Hoffa. Or at least in this movie, that's how it's portrayed. Um, and after that, she, like as... Frank says she never spoke to me again that's mm. the day that I lost her um, and I was just it was just a little bit weird because I was a little because like I said the entire movie we were talking about oh yeah so they're probably going to get together and uh, Frank's going to probably beat the shit out of him or something that might have been a good um, catalyst for like you know why he had to kill him or like maybe give him yeah. ex- extra added motivation or something like that but it just doesn't it doesn't go anywhere aside from the fact that you know yeah his, his action does have the consequence of him losing his daughter something that he does care about and you get the impression that when he's killing people in this movie, it doesn't really, it doesn't bother him. Yeah. Um, like he's not having a, a guilt uh, of conscience, or like a conflict of conscience. There's not really like any that. depth of character. I feel. No. Yeah. Um, was it Brad? I think you said like you don't get made to care about any of the characters. No, you, you don't. Yeah. Like with a good story, you like you learn to love the characters yeah. and. I, I was about to say fall in love with them. That's not what I meant. Like, well, with this film, you grow up. Well, yeah, when you're I'm watching La La Land, you, you will fall in love with them. You go from like one point of, uh, are you praying? Are you praying so for happy? La La Land? I love it. <laughs> like you, you learn to, like, I'm trying to. I'm stuttering my words. Connect here, with I, the characters. Connect with the characters. Oh, I kept yeah. saying, thinking yeah. of falling in love. Connect with the characters, and you do that in The Irishman. Mm-hmm. But well, you don't do that with The Irishman. And that's why maybe I just didn't care. I mean, like top, when yeah. Al Pacino got shot in the head, I was just like, yeah, "Oh, cool." D- 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 there was no like Sick. 
redeeming qualities because everyone was a dickhead in their own different way. Mm. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, talking about, like, because, again, there's... Going back to Goodfellas, like, or any other, like, mob mo- mob movie or, like, I mean, even Rage and Bull or something like that, there's, like, a, there was a huge emphasis on the connections between the characters. Like, like the uh, the wife connection has always mm. been... is always pretty heavily utilized to help us sympathize with the characters in mob movies like this is done in The Godfather, this yeah. is done in Goodfellas. Uh, I think probably better in Goodfellas. Always a lot Godfather. of infidelity as well, isn't there? Always a lot of that. There's none of that in this movie. There's like, infidelity. There that is infidelity yeah. for sure, but it's kind of breezed over almost. Yeah. Like, I mean, the the wife character that um, De Niro's married to, like, she's changed. she changes in the middle of the movie and I barely noticed. Mm. Like, they didn't make a big thing out of it. And there's, there's also, again, comparing it to Goodfellas, like, there's, there's no there's no hint of like excess or something like that you never mm. get the impression that this guy Frank is li- living like a particularly lavish life yeah and that's not necessary it's not necessary for you to do that but I think I think it's an insult to good goodfellas to compare it to this no well, I, I think it is yeah. yeah it might be but you know if th- but like given that um Scorsese hasn't done a mob movie in a couple of years and this is his apparent return to form and the only thing is we get like a worse version of goodfellas mm. I mean, I'm not saying that the movie is inherently bad. Like I said, there are some good things on it, and I do want to talk about those because I, I know we've kind of been badgering it for a bit. But like talking about like good things in this movie, like all the performances are really good. Like De Niro is better than he has been in for about fifteen for a while. years. Yeah. <laughs> Al Pacino is insanely good in this. Al Pacino movie. is probably the highlight of the film, and this is yeah. his first. Uh, this is his first collaboration with Scorsese. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that until yeah, I read um, on it, but yeah. Being very elusive for all of the careers. And, yeah. Uh, apparently, uh, Robert De Niro described it as it was like two teenage girls meeting for the first time and they were both nervous and they both <laughs> liked each other and they were like, oh, will he like me? But yeah, I think they work really well together. Even I dare I say even better than uh, De Niro I and agree. Scorsese. I agree. Probably. Um, but also, I can't, we can't overlook, Joe Pesci was actually really good in this movie. And to, considering that he's basically retired from acting, yeah. he kind of came out of it to do this movie. Like, you know, it's wet, fair, play, fair play to you, and I he really was good, did like him. But I've, I've seen a lot of rave reviews saying Joe Pesci's the highlight, but I don't I see don't, that. I wouldn't say he's the he highlight. highlight. He's, he's definitely the highlight of other f- films that he's done, like yeah. Goodfellas, like Home Alone. That's what um, I mean. Like, this is... Just to briefly touch on like the bad point, this is the one last point I want to get across. Yeah. Um, things like again, we'll stick to Martin Scorsese stuff. So, Goodfellas, the most like similar film he's made, and also The Wolf of Wall Street, which was similar in the way it was based on true events and real people. Yeah. There's like to make a biopic about someone. There's always a either a quality about them or something specific about them that is endearing and unique, which is why you want to see this film, such as you know The Wolf of Wall Street is an insane story. Mm-hmm. Um, Goodfellas, all the characters were like crazy, had their own little nuances, you know, like Joe Pesci was like, had, had this comedy element to it, and then Robert De Niro was the hard bastard, and then uh, Ray Liotta was like... The relatable one. The, yeah, the kid who you could have so easily went down a different path where he chose this one, so yeah. you you root for him because of that. For sure. But you meet Robert De Niro um, as a delivery driver, like halfway through his life, and no one's really bothered, and like, but they don't do anything to make you want to love these characters, or like these characters, and no, no. I agree, they're all good it's all good performances but the characters are all just one in the same really yeah. kind of they do kind of tread the line of just being part of those other mob movie yeah. stereotypes like granted Scorsese was very heavily in, in part of creating mm. in a sense um, but yeah I, it's, 
like I said, it's just not it's just not as good as Goodfellas, and I would suggest watching that movie if you haven't seen it before. Brad, I don't think you have. Seen You've it. seen it, okay? Uh, so like we've all seen it, and yeah. we all agree that it's better. It's better than The Irishman, far better by a mile. Um, but I mean, there was a point with the with the runtime where I was thinking to myself, it's so long, but like it, I mean, there's like this meme. I like the memes about The Irishman, where it's like a it's an actual time lapse of me watching The Irishman as that uh, age transition for Matt Damon and Trevor <laughs> Ryan. I like that kind of shit. Um, and I do think, to an extent, it does ha- make a point of, like, you know, because you're there so long, mm. like, with these characters. You're with them so long. Um, and some- somebody made a point in a review that I read up is, like, there are so many uh, moments in this movie where characters won't speak and you'll just see them thinking things through. And it- and he said, that I've not seen that in a while because almost, in a sense, uh, TV has almost become radio. Which I kind of liked, because yeah. like in every movie that you see now, you have to either see somebody like you know coming to a conclusion on something. You have to like verbalize it or has yeah. to has to visualize it. But but in movies, and this is something that Scorsese recognizes, is that you can just have people sitting in a room and just thinking things over. Mm. And I and I kind of appreciated that. I think yeah, but when it's done as much as it is, you know, when it's done as much in it's this, it's overdone in this film. I mean, you are definitely like in it the entire time i was exhausted by the end of watching this movie one thing um, i pointed out um in terms of the structure of it it we start what what seems like the present but then we later find out it's like the 80s when they're going on the the driving trip mm. across the country that's where we start when they're about like 60 70 mm-hmm. but then we cut to what is like i suppose the present day or in the film is uh, when robert de niro is like 90 or like really fucked in a wheelchair and then we go from that to that and then from there we go back to Robert De Niro when he's about 30 and I just feel like for a film that's this long and it's basically just like an anthology of one man's life I feel like bouncing between all the different times doesn't work yeah. no if we started from the beginning and ended at the end and then and went to the end <coughs> maybe we could use when he goes really young in the army that could have been a flashback yeah, yeah. yeah but we start from him delivering and we just work up and work up work our way up yeah. It would have. I think it would have played out a lot better. Because yeah, I'll be honest with you, the movie did lose me quite yeah. a bit. Um, I think your reaction at the ending was hilarious. Just as soon as the final shot of Robert mm. De Niro through the crack of the door, and you just screamed, "No!" Yeah, it was just so underwhelming. After three and a half hours, you want to pay off. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, to be to be an extent, like I don't know. Like we've got blue balls from the Irishman. Well, yeah. If we <laughs> if we did get it. <laughs> if we did, um, I don't know how I would have felt. Like, uh, do you, would you have preferred it if they ended it when he died? Because he died in like two thousand three, I think, or something like that. Uh, but I think was that maybe inferring that he was he was basically dead anyway, wasn't he? He was like in a sense of purgatory. Yeah. And um, I think I said this to Brad. The way it ended, like the, the big uh, half an hour sequence when he's just an old man and he's in a wheelchair and which he can't kinda, walk. Which kind of acts like an epilogue for the movie in a sense. Yeah. It's like he's killed all these people really quick, really painless, and he's having to suffer mm-hmm. and end his life on in a really bad way, which all of the people that he killed didn't. So it's almost like he's being punished for his sins. And, and then you get the uh, reminder that pretty much everybody that he's ever cared about is dead at this mm. point. Like, you know, he like when he's uh, confessing, he he's refusing to give out some details and he's like. And they're like, "Why are you doing this? Like, who are you protecting? Everybody you know is literally dead." Yeah. And I, I was kind of, and I did kind of appreciate. It. I didn't like it when I first saw it, but I, I grew to appreciate it. I slept on it when I just saw that you know, everything that this movie had built up to had just 
was meant nothing in the end yeah. like like even when that nurse is talking to him and he's like who's this and he's like you're saying you don't know who this is it's a picture of jimmy hoffa and she's like oh right just showing kind of how irrelevant everything that he's ever done yeah. is now it is now in this modern time which i completely get but then as the viewer it makes you feel like everything you've just sat through for the past three was, and a half was hours kind of is irrelevant, irrelevant yeah. yeah i get that i i totally get it if it was a two-hour film mm-hmm. it'd i'd i'd love it because sure. the the ending is beautiful and everything makes sense but it's just the the pure length of it you you need more than a subtle ending like that like a, yeah. not a cliffhanger but a non-event yeah i mean yeah because like all the characters that is like in joe pesci in his last couple of scenes and uh, robert de niro pretty much to the end of the movie like he's a very reflective character but yeah. i just don't i didn't get the impression that he felt guilty just in the impression that he just wasn't done yet. Yeah. I'm pretty sure that's why he uh, conf- ended up confessing to killing Jimmy Hoffa, just because he felt like he didn't want to go out just completely irrelevant. But in the same way, if people didn't remember... Like, if that nurse couldn't remember Jimmy Hoffa, like, in present day when he's mm. on his death door, who's going to remember him? Yeah, because it was, like, up until um, they, bu- they all had, like, catastrophic medical events that, mm. like, fucked them. They were still killing people and still doing bad shit. And, um... Yeah. A really good piece of acting, I think. One of the highlights of the film was when Joe Pesci's character had a stroke at the end, yeah. and he was in a wheelchair, and he was just like he he played a really frail, dying old man. Fantastically, yeah, he, he was trying to eat bread, but he didn't have teeth. Yeah, like that. yeah. Like I said, fantastic. It's mm. really good. Yeah. Um, and like I said, uh, Joe Pesci. I think he, I think he does get pretty. He does get underrated in comparison to like say Robert De Niro mm. or Al Pacino. Um, he is actually really good in this movie even though I'll be honest with you I did kind of get feel like he was kind of going for a Martin Scorsese type impression just the way he was looking <laughs> just with the glasses the white hair I'm not used to seeing him like that yeah. um, um, one thing um, he, he t- apparently turned this film down four times when Robert, uh, Martin Scorsese asked him and three times when Robert De Niro asked him they kept ringing him and ringing him and he just kept saying no funny how because exactly because of that um, every like mob st- sort of film he's done in the past he's been typecast to like the the funny little sidekick uh not really tough mm. member of the mob but this one he's like in control of the mob he is yeah and that is what brought him back in because he wanted to do something prove that he can act in these sort of films away mm. from the typecast that he's being set and he is he, he is fairly intimidating in this movie yeah. even though even though he, he, he he's not he's too old to like you know actually do anything mm. like i really did get the impression that he he could like you know kill somebody and then drive home afterwards. Like, oh yeah, absolutely. Really dark little bastard, isn't yeah. he? Yeah. But yeah, like I mean, like I said, Joe Pesci, he's great. But going back more into Al Pacino, there were the, there were a couple of uh, scenes in this movie where I, f- I, so you know how in a lot of the old mob movies that you, again like, you have the funny house scene mm. where everybody references it even if they've not seen the movie. Yeah. I kind of get the impression that this movie was going for a couple of scenes like that, yeah. like um, when they were talking in the car when they were, when. De Niro was about to go kill Jimmy Hoffa. He's sitting in the back seat because there was a a fish in the car, mm. and then there's a whole riffing. Fish is called for dead body, I believe. You think? Yeah. Yeah, probably. Because then uh, Opportuno gets in the car and gives his son advice of um, always wrap the fish because the smell never gets out of the car. Yeah. Why? Why would he know about fish? Yeah. Yeah. Um, but just that entire scene where they're just like, uh, "What kind of fish?" He's like. I don't know. You're saying you got a fish in your car, but you don't know how, yeah. how what kind of fish. It wasn't funny. It wasn't funny, and I, I, like, <laughs> but like I said, it was it was going for those. It was going for that. This is going to be iconic in ten years' time. Yeah, I think you said some. Uh, the the screenwriter must have really fucking liked Goodfellas. Yeah, because yeah. there was a lot of. I mean, this this movie, 
like I said, this book is based on uh, on the book I, I I heard you paint houses. Yeah, which is said in the first fifteen minutes of the film about no exaggeration eight times. Yeah, and in the end credits, I'm yeah. pretty sure there's like yeah, a, it says the Irishman, and then almost like a subtitle. It I says, heard you I, paint. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, like, but, but Pacino um, does kind of have a moment. I think it was like when he was like, "You're late. You're five minutes. Yeah. <laughs> I only wait five minutes after. No, ten minutes. What about fifteen? Nah, nah, nah. Fifteen's too generous. What about uh, twelve and a half minutes? Then he's like, then you get some time accounting for traffic. I was accounting for traffic. Like, <laughs> yeah, he's the only one who's got like nuances and like really like things about him. Yeah, and I don't think they de-aged him a whole lot in this movie. I think they did. But because I, Al Pacino's fucked now, yeah. <laughs> and for the big, a big chunk of the film, he's like about fifty-ish, mm-hmm. or supposed to be. And it, I think they just is de aging just worked a lot better than everyone else's. Yeah, that's what I was gonna say because like he's the one who definitely didn't stand out that whole much. Because yeah. obviously Joe Pesci, Rob De Niro, there's a whole lot of de aging going on with them. But with uh, with Al Pacino, I wasn't entirely sure. One thing that did stand out was Al Pacino's hair transplant. <laughs> oh, for sure. Yes, it was, yes. It's straighter than the hair you've ever seen on a newborn baby. Like, you <laughs> know one should have a hairline like that. And the um, fact that Robert De Niro walked like an old man. Yeah, that was another was like thing. 40. Everyone yeah, couldn't get out of chairs and stuff. There's a scene <laughs> where um, this shop clerk has apparently shoved his daughter, so he grabs his daughter by the hand and says, all right, I'm taking you to the shop. Mm. And he, he, he proceeds to kick the shit out of this guy in, in the shop. But it's just so awkward because you're seeing Robert De Niro with a young man's face, but he's definitely an old man's body. You're yeah. seeing a full wide of him trying to kick somebody out of in, in the face. And it's just the sound's out of sync. His movement is all sorts of weird. Like it's, The kicks look fake and everything. Yeah. Right? It's just not good. Like You feel like if De Niro actually did kick this guy, he'd probably do more damage to himself. But I feel like, um, I don't know if I said this to Brad last night, but I definitely wrote it down. Um, this sort of technology is still it's only been done in this and gemini man really yeah they've used it a little bit in disney yeah i'd imagine movies. benjamin button probably used Did something you not similar say something like along the lines of this was almost just like a tester yes yeah. kind of um because yeah because i think this is ilm ilm studios um this is different from what they do in disney so like it, with uh, disney like so for example you got like um michael douglas hmm. in um, ant-man Ant um what they did was they basically just um took a photo dif- photorealistic uh, depiction of what Michael Douglas would look like when he was in, say, uh, Basic Instinct mm. or something like that. But they didn't do that with De Niro or any of them here because De Niro has the same head shape that he has in his age now. But mm. if you look at like pictures of when he was back in like Taxi Driver or something like that, he didn't look a thing yeah, like that. He doesn't look like himself, which is if, ridiculous. If they if they did, <laughs> you know, go out of their effort to like say, I don't know, make it look like um, Robert De Niro in Taxi Driver or you know, primal fear or something mm. like that. Maybe that, maybe the CGI would have looked less, you know, janky. Yeah. I just, I think it's mental because Robert De Niro's uh, was in Grudge Match with Sylvester Stallone. <laughs> yeah. And no, well, the first fight is literally like Rocky from Rocky Two fighting Raging Bull. Yeah. And that looked better than half of this film, and that was like twenty. 20- Fourteen. And I mean, maybe that's what they did. Mae they took the film and like spliced it together. And, the, the, like, you uh, know, the, the, I watched the behind. I've seen things. I watched the behind the scenes because little fourteen-year-old Brad was fucking flabbergasted. But this is like, as I was saying, like a. Uh, it is still relatively new, mm-hmm. and it's being used in I'd say less than ten big films. Yeah, yeah, it's still yeah. Um, but obviously, the alternative to this, what's being used throughout time, is you just get someone younger. Yeah, recast. Yeah. Well, 
because they did that in Rogue One. Every they've done it in everything. Everything's like if if you get someone younger, you get someone younger to play. Yeah, I mean they did again. They did that in Goodfellas. Yeah. Um, so and Fast Seven. Um. No, no, we're talking about recasting. Uh, well, the recast is brilliant. No, no, no. I'm not talking for CGI. I'm just saying cast a younger actor. Oh, to play yeah, a younger right. Can I get to the point? No. Right. So this is like a new thing, whereas the casting younger people is the thing. But I feel like in about 10, 15 years' time, it's going to swap and no one's going to recast for younger actors anymore. It's just going to be older actors playing younger versions, mm-hmm. CGI'd down to look like that age. And that's not a good thing. I don't want to live in that world where everything's technology-based. No. And I feel like it's going to take a turn where if a film does go down the route of, oh, we need someone to play a 20-year-old version of, like, yeah, Robert De Niro, instead of de-aging, they're going to cast someone. And I feel like at that point, in like 10, 15 years, the public are going to be outraged by that and they're not going to like it because like, this is unrealistic. But when you look back and you're like, all the films used to be like this, it's going to look dated and people are going to say it's not the same anymore. And I think that's a mistake. And I think that's also like an intrusion on uh, privacy and stuff like that because like they've managed to be able to do this kind of uh, effect with actors that aren't even alive yeah. anymore. James Dean's coming back to star in a feature film. Yeah, even though... No, he's been dead for a couple of years. And he only made, like, what, three, four films? And oh, yeah. all of his fans are saying, like, don't do it. You know, all them films yeah. are a classic. We don't want him to be in some shit 2019 CGI fest. Yeah, with, yeah, with like, an ag- <laughs> a political agenda or yeah. something like that. that. That is what it'll be like. I mean, but, like, looking at Robert De Niro, they've been able to do that with, with this and The Irishman. Who's to say they're not going to do it with him again after he's after he's gone? Exactly, yeah. And then they, they could do... But, like, I'm pretty sure I read somewhere that nearly every main... A-list actor has had their face, their faces scanned, so mm-hmm. that they're basically immortalized in film. That's not a good thing. It's not a good thing. Like it's as well for, especially for actors. Like it's going to take jobs away from them and things like that. Yeah. Can they? Ima- can you imagine? Like if, um, oh, Ashton Kutcher says, "Oh, I want to make a film," uh, and they're like, "Oh, we thank great. We think you'd be perfect for it." And then like a couple of months later, it says, "So when we started filming?" And he's like, "Oh, we started filming like two months ago." It's like, "What do you mean? I-, I thought I was on the film." I was like, "No, you are." Yeah. It was like, what do you mean? It's like, oh, we're just using a, a, a digital reconstruction it's, of you. It's scary, and it's not what it's not what I want. I no. imagine it's not what a lot of people want. But like, again, using it this much in a mo- in a mob movie, especially, it stands out a lot more than yeah. it does in like, say, a Star Wars film or something like that. Because it's really, it does. Can you imagine if you saw like, I don't know, like in um, Godfather Part Two, they de-aged Marlon Brando yeah. uh, to play a younger version of Vito instead of uh, casting Robert De Niro? Yeah. That would look weird. Exactly, like it's it's just so ridiculous. Like people are starting to rely too much on like digital effects and stuff. But practical effects always look better if done right. Yeah. And I have no issue with younger actors being cast as the older actor's younger version. I think it looks great. It's better. Yeah. Because it it, t- it takes you back into that world more than like you seeing a a twenty year old man's face limping with a seventy year old fat man's body. Like it's so stupid. But and also looking at like. Um you know that's how you make it into the business. Can you imagine that, like? Exactly. Can you imagine like, oh yeah, that kid who played uh, like young Ray Liotta in Goodfellas. Like, I don't know what he's doing yeah. right now, but that's his. That was his in into the industry, yeah. and maybe. But and that's the case for a lot of people who like you know are playing younger versions of older, well-known actors. That's how you get your in into mm. the industry, um, and this is taken away from it completely. Like, uh, I suppose a big example, um, the Han Solo movie. Mm. Could have if if that was made now, I imagine they probably would have just yeah. de-aged Harrison Ford. Yeah, um, he would not have liked this. No, but um, he doesn't really have a choice. No, he doesn't. Have, <laughs> but it, that's the thing. Uh, they that's the thing. The Disney they own the rights to his likeness and stuff yeah. like that. So it's, it it comes to a point where your own ad- identity doesn't belong to you. Mm. It's really. Oh, we're getting into some deep shit now. Yeah. Um, our friend Bradley, 
She's been sitting pretty in the corner. Any any uh, any thoughts before we bring you into your segment? Any anything you want to say on the film? Last last final thoughts? Uh, no, I think everything that I've wanted to say has been touched upon. No, not a fan. Not a, not a huge fan. So Brad was hard at work. <laughs> Three and a half hours yep. of the Irishman. Here are some things that you can also do, or maybe do instead, in the same amount of time. I'm so sorry that everyone has to listen to some of this. Right, you could watch Nativity 2, Danger in the Manger, one and a half times. Drive from Sunderland to Middlesbrough about five times. Well, Watch 11 and a half episodes of Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. Fly to Ireland from Newcastle four times and have half an hour spare. Walk from <laughs> London to Croydon. Watch three and a half episodes of The Chase on ITV. Watch the 1984 Minor Strike short film called Strikers oh, on Facebook, no. get on it. Uh, walk from Tesco Metro to Tesco Extra in Sunderland ten times. Listen to Justin Bieber's Purpose album, the Deluxe Edition, three times. <laughs> Watch La La Land one and a half times. Yeah. Go up and down from bottom floor to the 124th floor, which is the observation deck in the Burj Khalifa, 209 times. Jesus oh. Christ! <laughs> Listen to Cine Joust episodes one to four, but unfortunately you missed the last ten minutes of episode four. Go around the London Eye seven times What and watch two men have a bath in porridge 29 times. What? <laughs> I found I a think, video. I think we've just gotten a little bit of an insight as to what you do when, when you're alone. Oh, and I also put watch the Irishman of things you could do in <laughs> three and a half hours. So there you go. Um, if you don't want to watch the Irishman, you can watch two men have a bath in porridge 29 times. 29 times. Or climb up the Burj Khalifa 200 plus times. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> you can absolutely do that. You might enjoy it more. Uh, <laughs> um, should we get into some ratings? Well, uh, before we do, I wanted to ask you because um, obviously this uh, we, um, with the movies that we review, a lot of them are on Netflix, but this is the first time that's been a Netflix exclusive. Mm. Now, I think it should be stressed, we're not going to make this a habit to just do Netflix yeah, exclusives. Never again. Unless it's uh, a very big deal. Well, let's be honest. Um, Netflix being able to get Scorsese to, you know, ish- let them release his film on Netflix, it's a pretty big move. Mm. Um, and it, again, you know, given that we're getting existential and for the future and stuff like that, I think this might be a bit of a precursor as to what's to come, as as in m- more big studios like yeah. making Netflix exclusives. I think I, nothing mm. lasts, and I, th- I don't think Netflix will last. No. I think something else will come along and wipe it away, just like Love Film and uh, Blockbuster. And I think, uh, as it's seen, like Netflix is like the only big contender against Disney these days. Yeah, which Disney's is not great. Just taking over everything. Yeah, but um, you know the indie, the indie side remains. <laughs> We're still scraping along in the in the yeah. cinemas. A twenty four scrapping along because Disney doesn't even know what's going on. Exactly. Yeah, I've, I've started using Amazon Prime Video thingy a lot more than Netflix because it yeah. actually seems to be better shit on there. There is. There's a lot of indie, good yeah. indie stuff on there, and uh, Amazon Prime takes a lot of like really really indie stuff. Like plus, it's a lot fucking cheaper. I think I'm paying is, like yeah. three ninety nine a month. Yeah, and that's like but let's Amazon be honest, Prime. There's deals. a lot of people. I'm assuming a lot of you listening tonight. Who don't use your own Netflix subscription? You're just <laughs> leeching off somebody else's. Don't be ashamed. I do it too. But yeah, then comes the argument of should this have been seen in the cinema instead of like a little screen, or in some people's cases, like even a four. Can you like imagine s- sitting through three and a half hours? To, if I'm going to gonna watch be honest, this. I'm glad I watched it on yeah. Netflix. Um, I, th- I, I think it does kind of take away from uh, Scorsese's argument of Marvel be- not being cinema yeah. when his when his next release is something that nearly everybody's just going to watch at home on their phone. Um, if I feel like to. it was. I think uh, Brad brought up the point of, you know, why was Netflix the only studio to take this? And one, it oh. ended up costing like hundreds of millions of dollars to make because of this de-aging shit. It went massively over budget. Oh yeah. 
and I suppose if they're stupid enough to take it on, then go for it. There's not a chance in the world they're going to make that money back. No, no I, I wouldn't. I mean, they do make quite a bit in subscription fees, like you know, with people paying like you know what twelve ninety nine a yeah. month and stuff like that. But there's a lot of people paying twelve ninety nine. Exactly. A like month. Pe- if people are already paying it, they're not making any more profit than they were before. I don't know how they measure it because they never release their. Um, they never. They never release their their ratings on like how many people mm. are watching a certain thing. So I don't know how they get profits. There's 122 million people around the world subscribed to Netflix. I know that for a fact. Yeah, um, but is that paying for? Is that all of that paying for Irishman, or is it just exclusive to the people who actually watch the Irishman? Because I don't think that'd be the case. Well, yeah. So obviously, a lot of people, like everyone who I know that's seen the Irishman so far, already had a Netflix account. Mm-hmm. So Netflix as a company, I'm better off. They're yeah. just making the same money they would have been before they even putting like 400 million to this film but that just goes to show that they don't really need to make a put a whole lot of effort into their projects mm. if like you know people are going to be subscribed to the viewing to to the streaming service anyway they really don't need to put in that much effort for in, in any individual film i think it's a really sad case that we're at and i think it if if it continues and this becomes what cinema is cinema's going to die mm. you genuinely sound like a depressed man i hope it doesn't happen i know i i hope it doesn't happen but i think you're right yeah. um like if this is the the business model that Hollywood's gonna like, you know, start taking seriously, then it's gonna be pretty problematic. And Netflix is is television, really. Yeah, it's mostly television, but you know, they're they're making a lot of movies now. It's the only thing I agree with Steven Spielberg on. Fuck Netflix. <laughs> and you hate them, man. Uh, exactly. Um, should we get into some ratings? Yeah, let's get into some ratings for I'll the Irishman. Let you Irish jump man. in because you fucking decided this film, so. You want Go me to start? Go on then. Again, um, you're not you're not you're not uh, very uh, bitter about it at all, are you? So the I Irishman. I fucking hate you, Colin, for this. <laughs> if there's one reason I hate you, it's this. I don't think that's fair. I don't think that's I fair. Think, I think it is. I fair. think everyone needed to see it. Um, Everybody I'm, gla- I'm glad I have seen it. I'm glad I've seen this. So I'm now I can now I can make an episode about it. Yeah. <laughs> so the Irishman for me, first hour was beautiful. It, it was at the point of ten out of ten, and you know a lot of films seem like. For the first little bit, like oh yeah, and then it just gradually goes down. But this plummeted. Um, <laughs> some good acting, cinematography was really good. Um, there was a lot of pretentious elements to it. I felt um, the driving stuff was really like was what really pissed me off because it just went on for ages. We were like we were with them for a full car journey, you know. Like I could just fucking have my own journey and go somewhere. I don't need to watch you. Um, really well acted, really well directed, good cinematography. Um, I think. Poorly written because the characters weren't strong enough. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So overall, a lot of pros, but actually sitting through it, it was far too long. Um, the technical side and everything about what you know, the pros that were involved, bring it up. But it, I can't give it any more than a six out of ten. Fair. Yeah, that's fair. All right, I'll go next. Um, See, so my overall opinions of it kind of echo what you said. There's a lot of great stuff in this movie, but it's just stretched out way too long. Yeah. Um, if this was like maybe if it was a two-parter or something like that, it mm. might have been more digestible. Yeah. Um, but yeah, on a whole, uh, the performance-wise, it's it's really well done. Um, cinematography again, pretty solid. I mean, yeah. I loved a lot of the a lo- I loved a lot of individual shots yeah. in this movie. It's a lot. Um, and again, it's really well directed. The, I mean, yeah. we're, we're batting on Scorsese for making a lot of the decisions that he's made here, but it's you can't fault the guy on his filmmaking talent. He yeah. is he is a filmmaking talent. I think the writing was a bigger issue than the. The writing is um, an issue, and I just I really wish that maybe the script had been like a, another one look over, yeah. um, see if they if there was something that they could change, they could trim, all that stuff. 
Um, I think the soundtrack was a bit meh. Mm. And the de-aging was... It was great in some parts, but it was laughably bad in other parts. <laughs> yeah. um, and, but overall, the the whole thing was a bit distracting just because every scene I was aware that I was looking at a de-aged man. Yeah. And that didn't really add a lot to the whole performance. If anything, it did kind of distract me from what was going on in the movie. Um, but just in the end, and I, I did... I, I appreciated the message that the movie was trying to say in the end. It's kind of similar to what... Uh, the whole moral of Raging Bull was mm. in the end just with more mob so it is kind of like a mix between Goodfellas and Raging Bull mm. in a sense and I like both those movies and I don't mind this movie that much but it's just not my favourite and like I said Scorsese is a, a filmmaking talent and this just definitely isn't one of his best work Yeah. Um, uh, so I'm going to give this a 7 out of 10 Ooh. Yeah. I, I, a, I think 7 is the mark for a I really liked it, I think. I really did like it, but I probably wouldn't see it again. Yeah. I think I'll give it an extra point just so I don't have to see it again as payments. <laughs> uh, so, Brad, what do you want to take uh, us on? Right. Uh, as Callum mentioned, the cinematography is actually quite nice. Like, there is, like, the... Uh, I think it's when they're pulling up uh, for a cigarette break. Just, like, the nice shot of the lake and the trees in the background. It's, it's shot quite nice. The acting all around is actually pretty solid. Scorsese, he's... Yeah, you've pretty good directing to be honest. It's not it's not horrific. You didn't fuck up, you know. You didn't make an abysmal piece of shit. So, <laughs> wow. pro- shout out to you, Scorsese. Um, but the de aging effect, yeah, it was just laughable at times. Like it wasn't, it well, yeah, it just wasn't great, and it was distracting. The story needed massive improvement. So I think that's what just throws the rating down for me. So I think I'll I'll just jump in. I'm, yeah, I'm five point five. Ooh. So what's that total? Six, seven, and five point five. So that's seventeen. Eighteen point five. Eighteen point five, I believe. Yeah, I think yeah, so. I think so. So yeah. not in the good bin. Not in the good bin. That's a shame. I was really. I was. I mean. Yeah, because, I mean, a little bit of behind the scenes. Me, like, we were really hoping that this was going to be great. Yeah. We really thought it was going to be great as yeah, well. Yeah, same. I mean, like, we were talking about, um, I mean, we've talked about this on a couple of episodes when we were talking about Scorsese and how anti-Marvel me and Callum are. Mm. Um, not you necessarily, uh, Brad. We're uh, Marvel. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I was really hoping that this movie was going to be way better. And to be honest with you, I, like... I don't know if I will see this movie again. I won't. But that was going to be one of my questions, actually. Would you watch it again? No. I probably won't rush to see it again. I might watch it again a few years from now, yeah. and then my opinions on it will completely change. I think I said it to you. No, what did I, say? I said it to someone. I think it could be maybe a case of maybe, um, I think one of our lecturers said it, we're just too young to understand it and fully that's enjoy what he, it. That's what he said to us about uh, when we watched Raging Bull. He was like, yeah. he's like, you need to be at least... Twenty-seven until you understand. Yeah, Fuck but off. he's talking a lot of shit. So I wouldn't. I would. I don't. I don't accept that statement. Like, we do understand it. We yeah. just don't. But like, I don't think I was lost. I mean, I said I was lost in the plot and stuff like that. But I get what the movie was doing, yeah. and I get what it was going for. It was overcomplicated and it was too long. Yeah. Essentially. Yeah. Um, would d- you recommend it? It depends who, because I feel like for like my granddaughter and my mum, I'd be like, yeah, but watch it in parts. Mm. but to like a mate from like my mate Ryan if I'm like Ryan I've got a great film for you to watch do you want to watch the Irish I wouldn't do that 
because yeah. I wouldn't. I don't think I could put any pain like that. But I think if you know people who are interested in film, I think you, you definitely need to see it. Well, like it's my my dad is the guy who like got me into a lot of the old mobster movies mm. like Goodfellas, uh, Untouchables, Godfather, that kind of stuff. But I'm just thinking like because the way he watches movies, he always watches them in parts, like you know, where, like uh, you know, like splicing them into whenever he's got free time when he's not like you know yeah. clearing about the house or doing other stuff. I just don't know if I'd be able to tell him to watch this movie because I know he's taking about a year. It, yeah, he'd, t- he'd be watching it like in fifteen minute parts, and I feel like he will just forget things as, as you're going yeah. on. So, would I suggest this to people? I'd say probably yes if you think you're going to see it anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I'd, uh, I'd say see it if you like. For, if you've got an interest in the technical side, I think it's worth seeing because I did learn a lot actually from it. Yeah, yeah. the cinematography, there was like the, the composition and a lot of stuff like that. It, it opened my mind a bit more than it already was. Um, but yeah, if you if you're just the sort of person who like loves a bit of Mr. and Mrs. Smith and things like that, it's not for you. <laughs> yeah, there's definitely something to take away from this film. Yeah. There's, there's a couple of things to take away from this film. You can go up the Burj Khalifa 209 times um, in the time you can watch this film. Well, if you want to, do you? If, you're, if we've don't. got any viewers in Dubai, um, I don't. Do we? I don't no. think we do. I think it would count for tiredness. I don't think that'd be actually feasible. No, I mean, if you're a robot, yeah. climb up the stairs. Well, no, it's not stairs. It's in the lift. It takes a minute. Oh, oh the lift. Oh, well, that's that's more doable. Yeah. But yeah, there is stuff to take away from this movie. It's <laughs> the just, lift. It's, I just don't know. <laughs> I just don't know who. I don't know who I'd recommend it to. But I would say. Yeah, if you think of checking it out, check it out. Um, mm. Sheila's not getting this recommendation. Good old Granny Sheila. She's not getting this. Oh, right. She's Hi, Sheila. Right then. <laughs> uh, that was a bonus episode. Yep. Yeah. Uh, hope you enjoyed it. I mean, we say bonus episode. It's close to how long our episodes when, usually when are. When are we going to put this out? Um, this will be out... It'll probably be out uh, beginning of December. Well, that's it, I yeah, suppose. that's it. Uh, hope you enjoyed it. I mean, like, it's... it's, it's it, we enjoyed making the episodes. Yeah. Uh, we enjoyed we enjoyed watching it. Yeah. Um, even though we were all falling asleep. But, I mean, I was. Uh, <laughs> you did actually yeah. a few times. Um, but yeah, I just, I, it's 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 like it's like trying not to tell your child off or something like that. Mm. It was a good movie. It just wasn't that great. It's not as good yeah. as I wanted it to be. Overhyped. Overhyped for sure. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's our take on the Irishman. Uh, let us know what you guys think in. Any emails? Any anywhere you want. Yeah. Emails, social media, death threats. Um, if you want to send us like a pinky in the mail, um, oh, good luck. Yeah, good luck you, finding out where we live. If you want to write your thoughts and feelings on your bare chest and come and uh, we've got like a nice little window on a corridor, uh, Studio One. I'm not going to tell you where, but it's Studio One. Um, just come to the window and lift your shirt up, and we'll interact with you. We won't let you in. We'll lock the door. It's it's like three pane of panes of glass. It'll so be like an interrogation room. We'll wave at you and stuff like we'll that. We'll be very safe, and we'll probably phone for security. Yeah. Um, but do it if you want, yeah. Yeah, just don't bring anything uh, metallic with you. Mm. Or don't try to kill us either. We're yeah. good lads, really. Yeah, we, we, we just you have to get to know us. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so uh, thanks for watching this uh, little bonus episode uh, that we did just for you. And um, now fuck off. Y- yeah, basically. Uh, see you later. Love you. Bye.